And then apparently out of left field, the Padres had come in with about a $400 million offer. They're close toward the end. And when you look at how Judge handled everything, he did basically what he's supposed to do. He did the right things. He went and met with teams. He toured facilities. He sat down. I'm sure it was like a two-way interview. Questions coming from both sides, trying to understand where the player is and where the team is and what the road forward would look like. And I'm sure what Judge was really doing is looking at the offers, looking to see what was out there, and then coming back to the Yankees and saying, hey, can you match this? And if you can, well, then let's keep going. And I think that's probably ultimately what happened. In fact, if you get a chance, uh, go read an article in The Athletic by Ken Rosenthal. It really digs deep into what happened here, how Judge made his decision, his relationship with his agents. Uh, it's a very good article. Give it a, uh, a read if you get a chance. But in the end, he remained a Yankee, nine years, $360 million, all guaranteed. And even though us Giants fans, we got our hopes up, looking back at it, it was a bit foolish because Aaron Judge means a lot to that franchise. He means a lot to New York. And I, looking back, I, I feel foolish thinking that he was ever actually going to leave. And honestly, I can't wait to see what the rest of his career really holds for him. So best wishes to Aaron Judge. Uh, on to the next shenanigan. And this one was really just a whirlwind of press releases and fan reactions and whatnot. We were still trying to land a big superstar and we looked to Carlos Correa. And on December 14th, it was announced the Giants had extended and Carlos Correa had agreed to a 13-year, $350 million contract. And everybody was excited. All right, we landed a superstar. Uh, let's see how everything plays out. And then December 20th, the press conference, introductory press conference, was postponed. And all the Giants would say was that it was due to a concern with the physical. Now, they didn't release any information about what in the physical made them pause. They just said the press conference was postponed pending physical. It was honestly Correa's agent, Scott Boris, who did most of the revealing. And then December 21st, it comes out that he's agreed to a 12-year, $315 million contract with the Mets. Uncle Stevie trying to come in and steal some good uh, superstar action there. I see Uncle Stevie. But even they had concerns with the physical. Three days later, December 24th, Christmas Eve, they announced that they've got concerns with the physical as well. And then it's not until January 10th that... Correa finally agrees to a six-year, $200 million contract with the Twins, who had originally offered him 10 years at 285 to extend with them. So they saved themselves four years and $85 million. And thus ended the Correa Chronicles. And honestly, like when I found out, the way I even found out that he had gone from Giants to Mets, uh, I was back home on vacation in Georgia woke up it was like 6 a.m and my dad who's not a baseball fan but he is a sports fan he watches sports center almost every morning he he asked me he's like hey did you do you see or hear about that Correa uh contract and i was like yeah 13 years 350 million with the giants it's a lot so it's, it's a major contract especially considering what the giants normally do he just kind of chuckled and was like okay we go back to watching and sure enough there the scroll along the bottom Correa met 12 years and I out loud had to say, what the fuck? It was, 
it was a frenzy. I immediately tried to get onto the internet and although he does not have a great connection out there. So that's probably why I didn't get a lot of, uh, notifications or anything, but immediately tried to get online to see what was going on, to see what had happened. And then a little bit of, uh, trying to find the right word here, but once, once I saw that the Mets also had, uh, a problem with the physical, I kind of felt like, all right, okay. So we didn't, we didn't mess up anything here. There was a legit thing. Once you see two teams willing to spend a lot of money, have the same concern, you kind of feel a little rectified, I guess. But so those were the two biggest shenanigan deals that went on for our off season. So let's look at, and remember a couple of the players that we ended up losing. Ended up losing Carlos Rodon, who had a fantastic year for us. He had a 5.4 baseball reference war. He was 14 and 8, 288 ERA, 225 FIP. He ended up going to the Yankees six years for $162 million. Was kind of hoping we'd be able to retain him, but I understand uh, the concerns, especially considering he's most likely not going to be pitching in the opening series with the Yankees. He's got some left forearm issues. Um, but hopefully they don't last too long for him. Hopefully he stays healthy and is a productive player because the sport of baseball deserves the best players. And I think he really put on a great show last season and, uh, hopefully continues to produce, uh, next Evan Longoria, pretty large mainstay there in, in, in the giants franchise for a while had a 2022, uh, 0.6 war, 65 hits, 14 home runs with a two, four, four, Batting average, he's now going to be playing third base over on the Diamondbacks. Signed a one-year, $4 million contract. Um, sucks to see him go, but at least we'll get to see him throughout the season as we play the Diamondbacks. Um, and, and hopefully he's able to still produce and stay healthy because it's fun to watch him play. He had a couple of great defensive plays last year that were just really fun to see as highlights. And then last but not least, one of the last mainstays of – of the early 2010s, Brandon Belt had a kind of an off 2022, uh, which makes sense considering how much he was dealing with certain injuries. His knee there at the end when he had to get uh, finally decided to get surgery, 0.3 war for the year, only 54 hits, eight home runs, and 213 batting average. Um, and he ends up going over to the Blue Jays one year for $9.3 million. And it, it sucks to see him go, but hopefully now that he's had that surgery on his knee, he feels better. He can produce more and he can uh, be a great ball player over there in Toronto. And we'll see how he does over there in the AL East. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to who we got. We're going to start with pitchers. And the first pitcher that we're going to look at is Sean Manaya, who signed a two year, $25 million contract with a player opt out after 2023. Now, his baseball reference, he's got a minus 0.9 war. He was 8-9 and nine last year with the Padres, had a 4.96 ERA. Um, and, you know, he, he admits, you know, he himself admits that he had a rough year last year. And this year, uh, he's looking to bounce back, especially because he's been working on his uh, velocity. He's apparently touching 95, 96 miles an hour. Uh, projections for this year based on baseball reference, nine and nine record with a four, three, three ERA going for 156 innings, uh, looking at maybe 
45 walks, 154 strikeouts. Um, but like I said, that's just a projection from baseball reference. Uh, last year, he pitched 158 innings for San Diego, uh, walked 50 batters, had 156 strikeouts. Um, and then looking at Fangrass, his projections, uh, he's looking at a 22.9% potential strikeout percentage, 6.7% uh, batting or walk percentage, excuse me. Uh, projected for 154 innings per baseball reference, or excuse me, Fangraphs. Um, and Fangraphs is also projecting a 1.9 war for this year. Uh, and then you look at his baseball savant page. Uh, for last year, he had a 91 mile an hour fastball. And like I said, already in spring training, he's touching 95, 96. They're saying that his fastball is settling in between 93 and 95 pretty, uh, pretty consistently. Got an 85 mile an hour changeup, 82 slider, and a 77 curve that he throws maybe 1% of the time. And as for his 2022 MLB percentile rankings, uh, the highest he had, he was 98th percentile on extension. Everything else is kind of average or below average. So we'll see how he can bounce back uh, this year. Like with walk and strikes, he was right there, right in the average 52% in the walk percentage and 51% in the strikeout percentage. Um, the things that were pretty low that you'd like to see jump up uh, is chase rate was only in the 24th percentile um, and 14th percentile on hard hit percentage. So hopefully those can tick up closer to the average. Uh, and listening to some of his interviews, reading some of his interviews, it sounds like he's really looking forward to play, uh, which I get that a lot of. A lot of players, especially when they switch teams, that's definitely what they're going to say. Yes, I'm looking forward to playing for the team, but it sounds like he really focused on some of his mechanics in the offseason, uh, really worked on some of the things that he needed to, uh, and he's apparently looking to become more of a power pitcher uh, instead of a ground ball contact pitcher. So we'll see how that works out for him. Uh, hopefully the things that he wanted to work on and the things that he needed to um, – really pay off for him and for us this year. Uh, we'll see how that ends up going. And after him, we ended up signing Ross Stripling. Well, Chicken Strip, as he's nicknamed, he signed a contract also for two years, $25 million with a player opt-out after 2023. And for 2022, he had a 2.7 war, 10 wins, four losses, 301 ERA. Um, Coming over, uh, coming over from Toronto, and like I said, 301 ERA, pitched 134.1 innings, had 111 strikeouts, uh, walked 20 batters. Uh, right now, his projections per baseball reference are an 8-6 and six record with a 3-8-4 ERA, going for maybe 129 innings pitched with 33 walks and 112 strikeouts. Um, and then, you know, per fan graphs, uh, they're projecting him to pitch 144 innings with a 20.3% strikeout rate and a 5.8% walk rate, it's projecting him for a 406 ERA, 401 FIP, 1.4 war. And I got to imagine some of these ERAs are coming because our infield defense was pretty terrible last year. Um, we did not convert ground balls to outs of very well 
not as well as we should have, especially for the amount of ground ball pitchers that we had. And I got to imagine that's playing into these upticks in ERAs for some of these pitchers that we're getting, uh, especially now that we're going to have the ban on the shift or the restrictions on the shift. Uh, anyway, continuing to look into Ross Stripling, his 2022 pitch distribution for baseball savant. He had a 92 fastball, uh, an 83 mile an hour changeup, an 87 mile an hour slider, and a 76 mile an hour curve. And it looks like he had that fastball most of the time, 41%, 27 and 22% for the changeup and slider, respectfully, respectively. Uh, that curve about 9% of the time. Uh, for his 2022 MLB percentile rankings, uh, he was very high in walk percentage at 98th percentile. Chase rate, 93rd percentile. Most other things are pretty average. Um, and so looks decent there. I'd like to see that strikeout percentage take up a little bit more. Sitting at 35 percentile for last year. So it'll be good to see how he can contribute to our season uh, this year looking to hopefully get back into the playoffs. After that, the funnest or funner signing that we got, we brought over a twin, Taylor Rogers, twin of Tyler Rogers. is coming over to play for us as a relief pitcher. Uh, his 2022, not, not too hot. Had a negative 0.7 war per baseball reference. Uh, he was four and eight. And uh, 476 ERA, 31 saves, looks like. Yeah, the 66 games. Um, his projections looks like he's projected to go four and six with a 413 ERA. Coming in to pitch maybe 61 innings, uh, 69 strikeouts. Like I said, that's just his projections from baseball reference. So we'll see how it truly plays out. But uh, last year, his totals, as he played for San Diego and then Milwaukee, uh, ended up coming in for 66 games, uh, 31 saves, 64.1 innings pitched, uh, gave up 57 hits in those innings, had 84 strikeouts, 19 walks. So we'll see how that may go up or down, depending on how well we fix our infield defense uh, with some of those numbers, the ERA specifically. Uh, his 2022 pitch distribution, he had an 81-mile-an-hour slider and a 94-mile-an-hour fastball, 57 to 43% uh, respectively. And looking at some of his 2022 uh, MLB percentile rankings per baseball savant, um, he was pretty high in whiff rate and strikeout percentage. His strikeout percentage was 90%. He's in the 90 percentile there compared to the rest of the MLB. And then his whiff rate, he was in the 84th percentile. Walk rate was 69th percentile. Nice. Uh, and everything else kind of looks average. Uh, the only low number is his extension, really. That's in the seventh percentile. Um, expected batting average. Uh, 54th percentile. So, like I said, that's the average per baseball savant for the league. So, 2022's expected batting average was 234. 
we'll see how that changes when he comes to Oracle Park. And then looking at his fan graphs page, uh, he's projected 66 innings, 29.1% strikeout percentage, 6.7% walk percentage, 3.34 ERA. I like that projection. It's better than the baseball reference projection with a 301 FIP and a 1.1 war. So fan graphs has him doing pretty good for us uh, this coming year. We'll see. We'll see. Try to maintain a positive attitude about all these additions. That's what we should be doing as fans, right? We want, we want to be positive. Uh, and now we come over to Michael Conforto, who last year was recovering from surgery. So there are no 2022 numbers to look at, but we do have some 2021 numbers that we can look at. Um, and 2021 for the Mets, he had... 479 plate appearances, 406 at-bats, 20 doubles, no triples, 14 home runs, 55 RBIs, drew 59 walks, struck out 104 times. Batting average 232 and a 7.29 OPS. Uh, his highest OPS was 939 back in 2017. And 2020, he had a 927 OPS, but... Let's not forget that the 2020 season was shortened, so that is a smaller sample pool there for those numbers. Um, OPS plus, he's been he's been good last year, or excuse me, 2021. He was average. He only was at 100. Uh, last time he was below 100 was 2016, and when he was 95 on his OPS plus. But everything else uh, is above 120. So highest was 154 in that shortened 2020 season. Second highest was 148 in that 2017 season. So hopefully now that he's had that surgery and he's recovered for an entire year, maybe he'll be closer to that 2017 season. Um, if he can land right in the middle of the 2017 season and that 2021 season, that'd be pretty cool too. Uh, looking over at his baseball savant page, uh, his top areas, uh, he's gotten 88 percentile and walk percentage 81st percentile in his chase rate 89th percentile arm strength so that's good to see they've been easing him into kind of his throwing progressions uh throughout spring training because they definitely want to make sure that we can keep him healthy for as long as possible when you're coming off recovering for an entire year you know you want to make sure you kind of ease into everything uh outs above average 72nd percentile his whiff rate is at the 62nd percentile and then everything else is relatively uh, average. The lowest out of that is his uh, exit velocity. He's in the 35th percentile there. Um, so not too shabby, not too bad. Looks like he'll be a good productive player uh, for the Giants in our lineup. And looking at his hit spray chart, looks pretty nice. There are quite a few doubles in here in this uh, spray chart from other parks that would be home runs in Oracle Park. So that's nice to see when uh, some of those shorter balls can be actual home runs in our park. And then his fan grass projections for the 2023 season, uh, looking at probably about 128 games out of them, 50, uh, 553 plate appearances, 18 home runs. That's not too bad. 250 average. Uh, with a 346 on base percentage, 420 slugging. So that gives you a 766 uh, OPS. And then they're projecting him to be 
a 2.3 war. Uh, his WOBA is projected to be a 337. Um, so here's hoping that he has a great bounce back year after that surgery. Hope he's feeling really good. Um, we just got to be careful, make sure he doesn't get injured because, uh, you know, want him to be there for the long haul. And by the way, his, I forgot to mention Taylor Rogers and Michael Conforto's contracts. Let me go back. Taylor Rogers, by the way, was three years, $33 million. Michael Conforto's two years, $36 million for the player opt out after 2023 requires 350 play appearances. Uh, now we're on to Mitch Hanniger whose contract is three years, $43 million for the player opt-out after 24. And looking at his baseball reference page, dude posted a 1.3 war last year, 246 batting average with 11 home runs, uh, no stolen bases. Uh, baseball references projecting for him to have uh, about 393 plate appearances, 14 doubles, one triple, and 18 home runs. 18 home runs is not bad. Definitely an improvement over that 11. 246 batting average with 752 OPS. Uh, so we'll see how that really plays out. Projections are just that. Projections will be fun to watch and see how he does. Um, but last year he was dealing with injuries, only had 57 games. Um so his, his OPS was 736, OPS plus 114 in those 57 games. It's 2021 season. He had an 804 OPS, 122 OPS plus. The only time he was below 100 was uh, 2016. That was his first year, uh, 83 OPS plus, and that was with Arizona. Um, so it looks like he could have a, a, a decent year as long as we keep him healthy as well. But if you've been paying attention to the offseason, been paying attention to spring training, you know, he's already dealing with an oblique injury, uh, making him questionable for opening day. But hopefully that doesn't keep him out too long. Hopefully we can get him uh, rested up and healed up properly so that he can be productive in the long haul. Looking at his 2022 MLB percentile rankings, um, 80th in arm strength and 73rd percentile in max exit velocity. Uh, sprint speed kind of low. He's 39th percentile, so he's average. Um, we'll see how he does out there in the outfield. His spray chart, just a couple of hits that looked like they were doubles before, but could be home runs in Oracle Park. It's always fun to look at spray charts. I like seeing those. And then looking at his fan graphs. Uh, Fangrass is projecting him to be able to play 122 games as opposed to that 57 from last year uh, and post a 252 batting average, 327 on uh, base percentage, 443 slugging with a WOBA of 334, 2.0 war. Um, hopefully those numbers hold true. We'll see how the health issues play out uh, and we'll see how he handles hitting in Oracle Park. Uh, Oracle Park's generally rated as a not necessarily more hitter friendly or more pitcher friendly. It's kind of average in there with the numbers that baseball reference has for our park. So, and some of his projections for walk and strike percentage looks like he's going to have right around a 9% walk, uh, walk rate and about a 23.5 to 24 
strikeout percentage uh, based on Fangraphs projections. So we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, let's keep them healthy and let's get them producing on our lineup. And last but not least, and yes, he is technically a free agent signing because we had to extend the qualifying offer. It's Jock Peterson. Extended the qualifying offer at $19.65 million for the year. Uh, and honestly, it was fun to see him play. Um, was not the greatest outfielder. Uh, that's uh, reflected in his 2022 MLB percentile rankings. But he was great to watch hit. It was fun to see him get splash hits. And hopefully this year we can get him back to October so we can see Jocktober come to Oracle Park, see those pearls come out and see how much fun he really can be. Last year for us, he did have a 1.3 war, uh, hit 23 home runs, had a 274 batting average, three stolen bases, 70, uh, 70 RBIs. Uh, for the projections, you know, he's looking at a 247 batting average, 19 home runs, 762 OPS, um, his OPS plus from last year was 144, which was the best that it had been since 2019. So, and it's his best yet that he had last year. Uh, the next highest was 126 from 2019. And he also had 126 in 2016 for OPS plus. So he's had his best year with us. Uh, had that. 874 OPS, so that was nice to see. Um, I think most likely he'll probably be DHing for us more often than not, uh, as far as his position with us, because now that we picked up Conforto and Hanniger to be in the outfield, um, but like I just said, Hanniger's already dealing with oblique injury, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, looking at Jock's 2022 MLB percentile rankings from Baseball Savant, a lot of red up here, uh, 98th in exit velocity, 95th in uh, expected Woba, 95th in barrel percentage, um, max exit velocity, hard hit percentage. All of this was in the red. Uh, his only low numbers are sprint speed. He was 20th percentile there. Outs above average, two second percent. Uh, outfield jump, second percentile. And arm strength was 44, so that one's more uh, average. So like I said, that's why he will most likely be DHing based on a lot of what I've seen and heard. Uh, they're also playing around with him at, um, at first, which would be interesting to see. Uh, I guess trying to get him some flexibility there and where he can play uh, make sure that our lineup can be as supportive as possible uh, looking at his fan graphs projections so fan graphs is projecting him to hit 23 home runs again i like that better than the baseball reference projection 246 average 328 on base percentage 452 slugging so they're projecting a slugging is going to come down a little bit uh, expected woba is going to come down a little bit to 338 but the Posting a 2.0 war. Uh, his last year per fan graphs, his war was 2.1, um, which is different from the 1.3 war that Baseball Reference has listed. That's one thing I need to research. Anybody that's watching this and knows better than I do, tell me why there's a difference in the fan graphs and the Baseball Reference war. What do they use to really calculate that? 
if not, I'm just going to look it up on my own and I'll probably talk about it next, next podcast, but you know, whatever. It can be helpful or you don't have to be. It's fine. So those are who we ended up signing in the off season. Uh, we also ended up avoiding arbitration with a good number of our players, including Logan Webb. So that was nice to see. Um, and honestly, when you, when you look at who we got, when you look at who we didn't get, we got a lot of good pieces, but, and, and I've heard this from a lot of, uh, a, a lot of the different podcasts I listen to a lot of different articles that I've read that we didn't get the all-star centerpiece. We got a lot of great supporting pieces. We just didn't get that centerpiece. And, and when you look at everything, you can understand that uh, it, it's easy to see where they're getting that. Um, and, that and that makes sense when you think about it. These are great supporting pieces. And in fact, we were like the number three team when it came to most improved teams based on war. And I think they were using... Fangraphs war for that. It was uh, MLB that came out with that um, graphic, and I think it said that we had improved by 7.2 war from last year overall. Um, so that that's it's fun to read. It's good to see, but it's ultimately going to just come down to the eye test when we actually start watching games, seeing if we did improve our infield defense. There was another great article I read on the Athletic that was talking about how a lot of teams have had a terrible uh, disconnect between ERAs and FIPS and just had bad uh, infield defenses that could not convert ground balls to outs. The next year, they kind of revert back to the mean. It's not something that you typically see year to year unless it's just an overall terrible team. Uh, so hopefully we do that. We do just that. We revert back to the mean. We get better and we move forward. We move on and we kind of forget that we went from 107 wins to 81 wins. Um, just looking at our fan graphs, uh, depth charts uh, at catcher, you know, you got Joey Bart and then either Roberto Perez or uh, Blake Sable. Uh, Sable has been making a name for himself in uh, spring training. Uh, and honestly, so as Austin wins from what I've uh, been seeing, what I've read, what I've heard. However, at first, Lamont Wade Jr. will still be there, but we also have some depth there with J.D. Davis, Wilmer Flores. And like I said, they're trying Jack Peterson out there over at second, we'll still have Estrada and also Flores can play there. David VR can get in there and a couple of uh, minor league players that have been really good in the uh, spring training games, Diaz and wisely could potentially be called up later on in the season, considering uh, how they might be doing down in the minors and what we might need as far as uh, depth support, depending on injuries uh, short. Of course, we got Crawford. And when he's not going to be able to play, we'll have Estrada. Uh, and then over at third, David VR will most likely be filling that in. And then we'll also have one more Flores who can fill that in. Uh, and then potentially Casey Schmidt, depending on how well he does in the minors this year and what our depth requirements are. In the outfield, most likely right, center, left. You'll look at Hanegree, Yastrzemski, and Conforto. Yastrzemski and Slater will probably be sharing those center field duties, but also both of them have dealt with injuries late in spring training. Uh, and then, of course, we got Jack Peterson who can go out there, uh, and Lamont Wade Jr., who can fill in out there. Uh, Luis Gonzalez, unfortunately, he's uh, had to get back surgery, and he will be out most likely until the All-Star break. Um, and if when he does come back, he'll probably be starting back down in the minors. Uh, 
but he had a great, great first half of the season last year. Hopefully he can get back to those numbers that back to that performance and we can see him back up in the majors. DHing Jock Peterson, most likely we can also have Hanniger and Conforto in there, depending on who's playing the outfield. Uh, and our starting pitchers, we got Webb, Cobb, Manaya, and Stripling now, Desclafani and Wood. Those are going to be our, our main starters. Uh, I've seen some articles maybe talking about uh, Desclafani going down into the bullpen to be a reliever. Um, and then we got Kyle Harrison, who came up to spring training and kind of got beat around a little bit, but I think that'll be good for him in the long run. He'll learn from that. Uh, and then, of course, we got Jacob Junis and Sean Jelly. Uh, who will also be potential bullpen pieces, uh, relief pitchers. Obviously, we've got Camilo Duvall, who can sling it at 104 miles an hour. He's always fun to watch up there. It'll be interesting to see how the pitch clock affects him because he does take a while to get the ball to the plate. Um, so hopefully that doesn't uh, affect him too negatively, but we will see. And then, of course, you got both Taylor and Tyler Rogers, John Brebbia, um, and then Alexander and Junis, uh, Long and Jelly. So that's our depth chart. And then looking at our projections, Fangrass is projecting us to have an 83 and 79 season. Um, and as far as projections for postseason, you know, they're, they're having us come in third in the NL West behind the Dodgers and the Padres. They got the the Padres looking at about a 92, 93 win season. The Dodgers have at about an 81 win season. Um, and they're giving, they're giving us only about a 10.6% chance to win the division. Um, and about a 30.3% chance to clinch the wild card. 40.9% uh, chance to make the playoffs. Those aren't too terrible. Only a 1.9% chance to win the world series. So you're saying there's a chance. We'll see. We'll see. Um, like I said, you know, you want to be as positive as you can be going into these, uh, going into the season. Um, and, you know, I heard someone say the other day, there's about maybe a third of the teams, maybe about like 10 to 15 teams that truly, truly believe exactly what the manager believes and thinks they're going to get there. And there's quite a few, especially down in the last 10 that understand that there's most likely not even a shot unless there's a miracle that they're making it even to the playoffs. Um, and some of those bottom teams, you know, it sucks because they're a bit restricted on how much their owners are willing to spend on their uh, rosters. But I would like to believe that, you know, we can really make a good run for it and we'll see what happens. But so that's, that is our off season in review. That's our, uh, projections in review. Um, I got a lot of these, I got these numbers from baseball reference, baseball savant and fan graphs, uh, and a lot of the information that I've drawn from the top of my head and whatnot that comes from articles and, and, uh, podcasts that I've listened to, um, Andrew Baggerly and Grant Brisby from the athletic, uh, Alex Pavlovich and Cole Kuyper, uh, for NBC sports Bay area, uh, and their podcast and Alex's, uh, articles. So I want to give credit to them for giving me my information that I can relay to you. Uh, so for the rest of the season, what I really want to do is I want to do this series by series, the weekend series, and then the week, uh, weekday series. 
and really look into the numbers, look into the numbers, see what happened during the games, see the percentages that we had, uh, how are the pitchers doing? How are our ground ball rates doing? Uh, how are the batting averages really doing? And then not only look at the numbers and break down the actual stats, but then compare it to the eye test. How do these players look while they're playing, while they're putting up these numbers? Do they look like they're in a lot of pain? Do they look like they're having a lot of fun? Do they look like these movements are easy? Because sometimes the explanations of dips in numbers really is as simple as they're not feeling the greatest that day. They're moving a little bit slower. They're a little bit sluggish. There's something that's nagging them. They might, might not be bringing up to the training staff quite yet. So look, the whole point of this podcast is to for me to get better at understanding the numbers behind the game and tying that to the eye test and how the players actually look and any potential injuries they might be going through that could explain some of the drops in numbers or if they're really just feeling great, having a great week, and that's why there's an uptick. If you want to change anything in how I do, if you have any good suggestions for how I can be better, just go ahead and let me know, drop a comment, direct message me, do something, because I want to put out a really good product and the only way that I can make sure I'm doing something right is if I get some feedback. Be gentle if you want, because this is a learning experience for me. Or don't. Just go ahead and drag me through the mud. It's fine. I'll be fine. Served in the Navy. I know how to take some insults. Trust me. They were bad. So go ahead. Let me know how I'm doing. Let me know if I'm just terrible at this and should stop. I probably won't anyway. And that does it for this episode. We'll see you after the opening series against the Yankees. It should be a good one. Peace.